21st century Doing something mean to it Do it better than anybody you ever seen Do it, screams from the haters Got a nice ring to it I guess every superhero need his theme music Go one man to have all that so the Sixers, obviously, obviously, I put out an episode last night involving Markel Fultz and just my take on the whole situation since this latest injury with him, <clears throat> and tonight. As I said towards the end of the show, as I do most of my show, as I do every show, that the Sixers were playing tonight in Detroit. It came out earlier today that Embiid would be taking the game off for some rest, which I think is probably a good move. When you're seven foot two, two hundred whatever pounds he is, and you have the history of back problems and feet problems that he has, <clears throat> it makes sense to give him a night off here and there, especially when he's played. They've, pl- they've played how many games? They've, they've played 27 games. He's played 26. I think that's probably the longest stretch in his career of consecutive games played, if I had to guess. Probably is. And he's playing 35, I think, minutes a game, maybe 34 minutes a game. And against Toronto, he looked a little bit gassed. So Brett, rightfully so, said, we're going uh, we're, we're to we're gonna rest him tonight. And it was a hard decision to make. I'm not even saying it from like as an outsider. I'm saying it as Brett literally said it. It was a hard decision to make because this is a, a, a improved Pistons team. They're 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 not the team that has been sort of non-threatening in the Eastern Conference for the last decade. This team is probably the best team. It's, it's probably the best it's been in, in, a, in quite some time. And with that being said, it was obviously that it, it was obvious that Sixers were on the road where they're not great. And this is a fourth seed team in the, in the East. And with Milwaukee playing Golden State tonight, you had an opportunity to make some serious inroads. And so it was a tough, tough, tough decision for Brett Brown, I think. And again, you don't have to be an insider to know that. And he even said it. It's a hard decision to make against a, against a, against a team with some slight playoff implications. Nonetheless, it was the right thing to do. It was a smart move. Now they have two days off. Embiid will get two more days off, obviously, and he'll be back at home for the Pistons game. Again, they're playing a home-and-home. It'll be the last time they play the Pistons this year, um, and and he'll be he'll be ready to go for the Monday game. And I think that's also the right thing to do in that 
is better to rest them for a road game than in a ho- than a home game because that's that's just a that's just a good business move. That that's the right way to go about it. You drag fans out to the to, to the pan, fans play uh, fans pay good money to come to these games and <clears throat> and for the amount of money they pay and for their loyal for the loyalty that they have to this team, you should put the main attraction out there for them. So I thought that, that taking all those factors into account, Brett was right for doing this. Uh, so, yeah, the Sixers, with, with, that, with that context, with that, um, with that, with that, I guess, prelude, you can call it, um, Sixers, Playing in Detroit tonight, as I said at the end of my last show. Pistons thirteen and nine, nine and four in Detroit. Sixers seventeen and nine, four and eight away from home. Coming off of a disappointing loss in in Toronto. Yeah, Toronto is the best team in the East. And yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, they're they're probably the best. They're, they're probably going to win the East this year. They're probably going to win the East. Um, and the Sixers shot themselves in the foot on Wednesday with turnovers, yada yada yada. Um, and so you felt like, okay, no Joel tonight. This is probably going to be a loss, especially when the Pistons. are looking for vengeance against a team that constantly beats up on them when Embiid's available to play. And on top of that, they were at full they were at full force. Right? Jackson was available. Blake Griffin was available. Drummond was available. And he felt like they were probably going to lose a game tonight. But... But the game told a different story. Sixers led by as many as, I want to say, five in the first quarter. They finished the first quarter up by one point. Pistons shot ahead towards the end part of the second quarter. They won the second quarter 41-28, so they were up by 12 going into halftime. And then they began the, the third quarter out with the three, so they are up by 15. They are up by as many as 15 in this game. Sixers fight back throughout the third quarter, and they get it to a one-point game heading into the fourth. And then you thought to yourself, well, while while they, they they have given a great effort tonight, they've hung with it. They're probably going to win. They're, they're probably going to lose this game because Blake Griffin's going to come back in. Andre Drummond's going to come back in. 
and all night long, Blake Griffin has gotten whatever he wants from from anywhere he wants it. Griffin had 31 points in 38 minutes, 7 to 15 from the floor, and took 24 free throws. 24 free throws. Think about that. That's that's good enough for a team total. The Sixers as his team shot 21. Griffin shot 24. He made 17 of them. To go along with 12 rebounds and 6 assists. So you thought that the way the game had played out from quarters 1 to 1 through 3, the Sixers are probably going to lose this game. And then to make matters worse, they start out the fourth quarter with three turnovers in their first five possessions. And then to add to that bleeding, the Pistons' five-man unit, er, five unit composed of their bench was doing all the damage to get in the fourth quarter, and they pushed the lead back up to six. Which means that you're down that you not only have you made no progress, you're actually worse off and Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond are not in the game yet. So in theory you're gonna have to fight to get back in to get to just to tie it up, and then you gotta deal with the two big men. Jimmy Butler had something else in mind. Jimmy in the first half. 12 points in the first half for Jimmy Butler. Second half. 26 points for Jimmy Butler. 13 in the third quarter to bring them back into this game down 15 and lead by as many as two or two or four in the third quarter. And 13 more, I think, in the... In, 11 more in the fourth quarter. Butler on the night, 38 points in 39 minutes. 27 shots, made 13 of them. Attempted six threes, made one. 11 of 12 from the free throw line for Jimmy Butler tonight. Six rebounds. Six assists, three steals, one block. Brett Brown likes to ring the bell after the game. For the uh, the he, he offers the tradition to the player of the game every game, and the player gets to ring the bell. And Jimmy Butler. Absolutely, absolutely 
rang the hell out of that bell tonight. He was absolutely sensational. At first, I thought they'd win the game because of TJ McConnell, because he came out as aggressive as he's ever been, 10 points in the first half. No, maybe I think he had six, maybe eight points in the first half, along with five assists. He had 10 for the game and 21 minutes off the bench. Then I thought, okay, well, Wilson Chandler's had a, had a pretty good game. If they win this in a close one, he might be the one you look at to say he made the difference tonight. Maybe Mike Muscala rings the bell because season high in minutes, 18 points off the bench for the Sixers, and provided some backup five power for Amir Johnson, who was starting at center. And then Jimmy Butler happened. So he gets to ring the bell tonight. For me, at least. I don't know who I don't know who ran the locker room, but he rings it for me. Wilson Chandler, Amir Johnson, Ben Simmons, J.J. Redick, and Jimmy Butler are your starters. Wilson Chandler in 37 minutes had his best game of the year, 10 points and 4 of 5 shooting, 2 made threes, 8 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, 3 blocks, 5 fouls, but no turnovers. Amir Johnson. Sixteen minutes. Not a single point. Not a free throw. Not a bunny layup. Not a dunk. Not a two rebounds. Three steals. Two turnovers. Six fouls. Your thirty-two-year-old replacement center, who's been in the league for fourteen years, committed six personal fouls in sixteen minutes of playing time. Want to do the math? That's about. One foul in a little less than every three minutes. Or so yeah, so yeah, it's it's two, it's two and two and three quarter two and two thirds of foul. That's oh, a one foul every two and two thirds of a minute. It, no, not that either. One foul in every two and two-thirds minutes. Or, that's .375 fouls per minute. Is that a joke? Is that a joke? You're committing a foul every two minutes and 40 seconds.
That is unacceptable. I'm getting really tired of Amir Johnson, quite frankly. That fraud Brian Colangelo paid him $12 million last year. Shows you what they think he's worth because they brought him back for $1 million this year. So clearly, they everyone, everyone knew that Amir Johnson was being, over, was being paid way too much last year. And he, of course, he saw that contract that he, he saw the number of the check that he was going to get. And he was like, oh, I better jump at this because I'm never going to get this anywhere else. He's smart about it. That's what, get, that's what you get when you let an idiot run a franchise. I'm getting really tired of Andrew Johnson. I know he's not, I don't know, I shouldn't care about him that much. He's only a backup center. But if he wasn't there, that's an open roster spot for a, another guard off the bench. That's an open roster spot for another big off the bench. Who's available for bigs? Well, as of last week, it was Joakim Noah. That would be a sensational upgrade over Amir Johnson. It's game 27, and Amir Johnson's already out of the rotation. If I were him, after the season's over, probably walk away from the game because I, I just don't see a situation where there's going to be any opportunity for him to get on the court nor should he be on the court ever Ben Simmons 40 minutes 18 points 14 rebounds 6 assists 1 steal only 4 turnovers tonight not good not bad either it's not 7 it's not 11 it's, I mean, 4 is whatever I mean it's his average. He'd like to see it improve, but I don't think we're going to see that improve too dramatically throughout the course of this year. Three blocks as well. 8 of 11 from the field, 2 of 2 from the free throw line. So that means next game he'll probably shoot 3 of 8. J.J. Redick on the night. 34 points. No, 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 no. 34 minutes, 18 points, 18 shots. So obviously not an efficient night for JJ at all. 2 of 10 from 3, 6 of 6 from the free throw line, 5 assists. He even got a block. Of all, of all people, JJ Redick got a block tonight. He's still using way too much energy to get himself open. And it's all because of those frickin' dribble handoffs that they keep running. And it all comes back to Ben Simmons' inability to shoot a jump shot because it completely just... It... 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 Hinders their offense. It restricts what they can run on an offense. Ben Simmons not having a jump shot. And it indirectly affects J.J. Reddick's ability to make shots, too. They're going to have to get another playmaker out there for him so that way he can sort of do more catch-and-shoot instead of having to work and work to curl and work to get over screens and work for dribble handoffs to create space for himself. Because it's not fair to him. And it's not helping the team either. 
from Scala, 30 minutes off the bench. Jonah Bolden, I thought he had a, I, I know for a fact that he had a fracture of some sort in his leg as of the last week or so, and he's played two minutes tonight. So I guess it's obviously it's not serious. Landry Shamit, 16 minutes. McConnell, 21 minutes. Korkmaz, four minutes. Scala, 18 points on 7 of 13 from the field, 4 of 9 from 3, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal, 3 blocks, 2 turnovers, 5 fouls. Um, credit to him, he played a lot late in the 4th with 5 fouls, and he played sensationally. He was able to, to, to sort of answer hard contact. He wasn't, he wasn't shying away from it. He was taking it right, right to the chest, and he was just focused on playing discipline, not, not, you know, just keeping his hands straight up. And he, as a result, he actually made three clutch plays for the Sixers late in the game, including a couple of made threes. Bolden, zero, 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 one turnover, one foul. Um, I thought that as soon as he checked into the game, and then proceeded to dog Blake Griffin full court and then get beat. And then as soon as he recovered, Blake just goes right around him and just dunks it anyway. And then the next play, he almost uh, he, he almost commits a turnover on... Or maybe he did commit a turnover. Yeah, he, yeah, he did commit a turnover with a steal. Um, but it was a tip pass. It was a terrible pass. As soon as Brett Brown saw that, he took him right out of the game because he knew that, that playing Jenna Bolden was not going to help them at all tonight. In fact, it was going to help the Pistons more than it was going to help the Sixers. Shamit, three points, um, one rebound, one turnover, three fouls. He is definitely hitting a rookie wall. Um, I think right now it's more about giving JJ a blow, giving Jimmy a blow, um, while, you know, in little, little stints here and there, and then whatever he can give them team while he's going through this prolonged slump um, is is great. But just I think it's more about having a competent guard off the bench who can fill in for JJ or Jimmy when needed. McConnell was great, I thought, tonight. 10 points, 5 of 7. One rebound, 5 assists, 3 turnovers. Um... But uh, I actually thought that he made timely baskets for the Sixers and that he got to his sweet spot, created for himself, and made timely jumpers to sort of stop runs for the Pistons. And I thought that he, in that right, was a big spark plug off the bench. Not 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 in his usual way where he's diving for loose balls and what have you. And he did do that, but that that wasn't what did hit. That that wasn't what did it tonight. It was the ability to step up and make shots just to just to just to get some points on the board when the Sixers were down on an eight on an eight oh run and the Pistons were looking like they were about to pull it away. Korkmaz, two points, three rebounds, one steal, one block, one turnover, one foul, four shots taken. Um I think tonight was more about they could not trust his defense against any of the people that the Pistons had because, I mean, you look at their their personnel and you have 
you, you have a lot of shooters. You have Kennard. You have... Um, Griffin, you have Jackson, you have Glenn Robinson, you have Bruce Brown, John Lohr, Calderon, Galloway, all those different shooters that you have, and they're gonna they're they're going to you uh, see so you know he can't defend the perimeter, too slow, too young too, so he's gonna so the veterans are gonna be able to take advantage of him with 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 their repertoire skills. Pistons are also going to – they know you're going to switch everything, so they're just going to keep swinging the ball until they have you switched on to Blake Griffin or Andre Drummond. They're just going to bury you in the post, and then they're going to just get, get fouled, or they're going to make an easy little hook shot. So you couldn't play Korkmaz too much tonight. I thought the big turning point in the game, believe it or not, came early in the second half when the – Sixers, they said, instead of just trying to defend Griffin and Drummond and tire them out, that's not going to happen. It's not going to work. We're going to make them make plays. We're going to double them in the post as soon as they catch the ball, and we're going to make them find a cutting man. We're going we're, we're gonna, to we're gonna bet on their passing not being as good as... Stats would indicate. And yeah, they're both they're, they're, Drummond and Griffin are both capable passers, but they're not playmakers like a LeBron James is, like a Ben Simmons can sometimes is. They're not these guys who can back you out of the post and then find a you know f- find a cutter on a dime and easy layup. So they wanted to make them make plays rather than make shots, and it paid dividends immediately. And part of it was those guys are a bit turnover prone. So they thought, okay, if we can get to them fast and smother them, we can get them to cough the ball up. And it worked. It worked fast. And so credit to Brett Brown for making the right adjustment at halftime. Halftime. I don't know why I emphasize that in a weird way. Um, Credit to Brett Brown for making that adjustment at 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 the break. Because that is where the game turned around 100%. Then, I thought the other noteworthy turning point of the game, and obviously Jimmy Butler's second half was a turning point, but if you want to look at certain little stretches in the game that, that were big, I thought Ben Simmons and Mike Niscala came together and not like they were like, hey, like let's get this done there. It was more like they individually executed tremendously, and as a result, the team benefited from it greatly. Both had key blocks late in the game. Once once the Sixers took the lead late in the fourth quarter, um, with about four minutes left, they were up by one or two points. Back-to-back-to-back possessions, Ben Simmons blocked Drummond. Um, Mescalo blocked... Blake Griffin and Reggie Jackson and another shot, and the Sixers came right down and put it right in the cup, and they they, they kept expanding upon the lead. Suddenly the, the Pistons were shocked and they were they they were losing the game and it was they were losing their steam and their their cool when it was over. And I was really impressed in that little stretch by Ben Simmons understanding that 
you have a big, big back-to-the-basket center who is taking a not-as-strong Muscala down the post, trying to bury him, and he anticipated it. He sort of stayed in, in the proper help stance where he could get to a shooter in time if the pass was made. But as soon as Jumman turned around, he knew that he was going to shoot it. Ben was right there on top of him to block the shot before he could even get it up in the air. It was, I mean, it was timed beautifully. And he smothered him on the spot right there. It was great IQ, great execution, and great positioning by Ben. And that was one of those plays that ignited, ignited the Sixers. And then they were up by one, then three. Then it was um, five. Then it was eight. And then suddenly the Pistons were, were like, shit, what just happened? Um, so where did this game turn? Or what, 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 what in this game turned that the Sixers took, took advantage of the win? Sixers, 28 personal fouls. Pistons, 24. Nope. No, sir. Sixers committed 16 turnovers to the Pistons, 16. Nah, nah that's not going to get it done. 12 blocks for the Sixers, 3 for the Pistons. That gets it done, probably. 11 steals to 10 for the Sixers. Nah. 22 assists, 26 assists. Not quite, because the Pistons are very isolation ball oriented because of Lid Griffin. So although they don't get many assists, it's because majority of their points come from one guy who is able to get points all the time. So even though they have fewer assists, their offense is not necessarily inefficient because of it, if that makes sense. Sixers, 40 rebounds. Pistons, 49. So Pistons won the rebound board and still lost it. They won the rebounding battle and still lost the game, which is just pathetic. Defensive rebounds, Pistons 32, Sixers 28. Offensive rebound, Sixers 12, Pistons 17. So so the Pistons actually created five extra possessions for themselves in this game. No, I'm sorry. They created five more extra possessions for themselves than the Sixers did. That's five opportunities for, for additional shots, and they still lost by six. That is atrocious. I'd be embarrassed if I if if I if I were on that team. I mean, I don't know I don't know how that happens. Free throws, thirty or thirty-seven for Detroit, 21, 21 for the Sixers. Nah, that's clearly not going to do it. You got smoked in the free throws. Sixers nine of thirty-two from three. Pistons seven of twenty-eight. Nah. You could argue that the Sixers. Make a couple of the Sixers makes were timely, and that JJ made a three late in the game to put them up one, and that was sort of that that was the per, that was a permanent lead for them. And after that, they never they never trailed, um, and then Mescala Barry wanted to put them up eight, but the three point shooting was not the knockout. It was was in in some ways a knockout blow, but that wasn't the deciding factor in this game. Sixers forty four of ninety from the field, Pistons thirty seven of eighty nine. Seven shots fewer made by the Pistons. Sixers had nine more blocks. Interesting. That probably means something. The story of this game was that the Sixers executed tremendously in protecting the rim. 
they made it damn hard for the Pistons to 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 get good looks. They came together as a unit and they said we're going to deny Drummond and Griffin in the second half by doubling them. What they did is they forced Detroit into turnovers at the worst possible time. What they did was they came up with three or f- three blocks down the stretch of the game that ultimately led to the Pistons not getting, you know, obviously a block, a block counts as a missed shot for the offensive team. So that's nine blocks more, and therefore that's, that's nine extra missed shots the Sixers created for themselves. And then because the shots are not going in, Pistons don't have a chance to step on the throats of the Sixers and demoralize them. Because they're turning the ball over at the worst times, they're giving the Sixers life and new hope. They're not capitalizing on opportunities to put the game away. And ironically, ironically, that's hurt the Sixers at least 15, 16, 17 times in the last season and a third. So, what the Sixers did tonight to, to, to win a game without Embiid away from their own home arena. Arena is such a weird word to say in this day and age. I feel like no one says that anymore. Their home court is the right way to go about it, I think. Um, the way that they won this game was getting to, even, even though they didn't win the turnover battle per se, they did in that they forced turnovers at the at, 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 at the best times for them. They gave themselves energy and life by turning the Pistons over at times where the Pistons really could use a shot. They prevented baskets by being aggressive and being disciplined in blocking shots. They kept the Pistons off of the paint and scoring and made Drummond's life more difficult. With, with by, by by executing man on man defense well on shot attempts, Drummond was seven of nineteen from the floor for twenty one points, ten rebounds. It's a good game. It's a good. It's a good game for Drummond. But he averages sixteen re, sixteen points and nineteen rebounds a game. You silenced him essentially tonight. By keeping, but by, by winning the winning the blocks battle, and for and therefore forcing them to miss nine more, uh, miss seven more shots than you did, or by blocking them nine more times than they blocked you, and therefore them making seven fewer shots than you made. You turn possessions that 
could have been minus 2 into plus 4 because you prevented a basket. And then you scored yourself. Or, so you come down and you score. And you come, and they come back and you block them. Like, ha this happened a thousand... This, this happened three times towards the end of the game that really put the Sixers in the driver's seat. Butler a bucket. Scala a block. Butler two free throws or a bucket. Ben Simmons a block. Butler a basket. Scala a block. Timeout, Mescala a three. Sixers closed the game on a 22-11 run to win it by six. And with that, I think it's... I, I think that this is probably their best win of the year. And I was thinking about this earlier today and yesterday. Sixers have not had one great, fabulous win yet. This year. They had a couple last year. I just can't remember who they were against. They. Who did they beat? That was a great win. Houston in Houston was a fabulous win. Indiana and Philly was a fabulous win. Sweeping Utah was a fabulous win, and beating them in Utah without Donovan Mitchell, without uh, Joel Embiid was a fabulous win last year. This season. I think they've lost something like six games to the top teams in the league. They've lost two to Toronto, one to Boston, one to Milwaukee. That's four of their losses to those teams. They lost one to Detroit as well, to Brooklyn, to Cleveland. Um, I can't remember who else. It's it's irrelevant. But the point is that this is a tremendous win for the Sixers because they they came into the Palace of Auburn Hills, or whatever the hell it's called now, in Detroit, and they came back from a fifteen point second half deficit. To beat a playoff team on the road without their best, without the, without having their best player, and now they get two days rest, nine games above five hundred, to go home for a home and home with with the Pistons. Where they'll, now now they'll, now they'll be the home team on Monday, and then they go through a stretch of four, I think, straight games with sub five hundred teams. Tonight was hopefully the start of a great next two weeks where they can really make some noise in the East and establish themselves as a potential two seed in this conference. And I'll tell you what. Credit to Brett Brown for 
seeing the issue tonight with 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 how the how they were defending Drummond and Griffin and saying, you know what, I'm gonna bet that I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna bank on them and I'm gonna bet against them as passers. And that decision won them the game. People give Brett Brown a lot of flack for his coaching. I for one of them a huge Brett Brown fan. And I'm happy for him. I'm proud of him for the way that he coached his team tonight because the way it's presented, the Sixers are 18 and 0, and Brett Brown's 0 and 9. But in reality, I think there's no way to. I think there's even the haters have to admit that Brett Brown won tonight. I think Brett Brown won in nine. Brett Brown has done a great job this year with this team. And you know what? I bet Brett Brown loves. I bet Brett Brown loves to shotgun beer. I bet he would love to increase his shotgun time at parties, too. So you know what i tell him to do? I'd probably tell him to go check out my buddies at the King Cobra. He'd probably ask, what, what's a King Cobra? I'd say, well, it's a shotgun tool that makes a tremendous shotgunning hole in under a second's time. He'd ask me if it had any alternative uses. And I'd say, well, it's a bottle, hope, a bottle opener, a tab puller. It, uh, it punches vents. And it all fits on a keychain, too. Pretty cool, right? And then he'd say, well, how can I get into contact? And I'd tell him to go on one of his players or one of his kids' Instagram accounts. And I'd say, and go look at the King Cobra Co. account. And he'd say, well, how do you spell it? And I'd say, the King Cobra Co. But the Cobra is with a K. And then I'd offer him a 10% discount for all... Cobra products because of all he's done for this team and and how how much and how much he I I've I've enjoyed him and I tell him to enter the code trust the Cobra ten with all caps and all one word so that way he could pick up his today for a ten percent discount that the feed to Embiid. And its name is protected by U.S. copyright laws. Reproduction and, dis- and distribution of the feed to be without my written permission is prohibited. Copyright the feed to MB 2018. Sixers improved to 18 and 9 on the season, 5, five and 8 away from home. Pistons dropped to 13 and 10 on the year, 9 and 5 at home. The Sixers will play the Pistons again on Monday in the second game of a home-and-home where they are 13-1 on the season. We'll be right back after that game ends to discuss, hopefully, the Sixers' 19th win of the year. Thank you for listening, and have a great weekend.